Good evening. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 2. 2 Corinthians, chapter 2. Uh, it's a new year, and I don't know how your year has been starting out, um, but mine, mine is different this year. Um, I've been transferred to a new office. I'm talking to different groups of Christians, I suppose. I, I ran into some, well, I, I met up with some folks the other day that are friends of Alvin. For, for those of you that don't know, most people that you haven't met in Australia, first of all, most of them are from New Zealand and South Africa. Uh, and second of all, the rest of them are friends of Alvin. He has friends everywhere. Seems strange to me that the man should have millions while I have sort of one and a half. So, uh, and, and just talking to them, they're, they're believers. They had some questions about the Bible. And all conversations have been a blessing. Everyone I've been talking to, they sincerely want to know things about God. Um, but something that I have been finding is it's just, I keep saying the same basics over and over again when we run into a few things. Uh, and the basics around this place are just so normal, we don't often really talk about them. They're just presumed. Uh, so what I want to do, uh, New Year, let's, let's drag out some of the basics. Uh, and let's have a good close look at them. So what I'll get you to do, read with me uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Come on down to verse 17. We'll read this, we'll pray, uh, and then we'll begin. It says this, it says, uh, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, Speak we in Christ. Let's pray. We give you thanks, our Lord and our God, uh, for you have given us all things. Lord, you have blessed us greatly in this country that you have, have placed us in. Lord, you have blessed us greatly with uh, houses and, and brethren uh, and food and water and all, all good things we have have come from you, Lord. Uh, we are very grateful for your word, Father God, and we would understand more of it this evening. So we ask for the help of your Holy Spirit now. Uh, help us to, to hear from you, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. One of the things that struck me when I discovered uh, independent Baptists was the sincerity that they showed when it came to the Word of God. Uh, the sincerity. They were not trying to play with it. I don't know how else better to put it, but they weren't trying to muck around with it. Uh, they weren't trying to manage it like a, like a PR manager with a particularly embarrassing client who you really needed a lot of help to just get it over the line so that people wouldn't you know, get the wrong impression about that guy. Uh, they would just try and give it to you as straight as they could manage. Didn't mean they always got it, but that's what they were trying to do. And I, and I liked that. I liked that. Now, the, the, our passage here warns us that not everybody is playing that game. Not everybody is trying to do that. It says, for we are not as many. So it actually, according to Paul here, that's kind of the minority approach. Uh, the majority are not trying to go straight. Uh, it says, but we are not as many which corrupt the Word of God. So for, for a lot of people that would come and say, I want to tell you about God, they actually have a problem with what He said. Uh, and they don't want to give it to you until they've just adjusted it somewhat uh, to fit what they would like. And Paul was saying, uh, as Christians, as Bible believers, that's not how we are to roll. Uh, but as of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Uh, and... and Initially, I guess I sort of had it. I, I kind of grew up with an instinct for it. I don't know, but I would hear people talking about the Bible and I'd think something is off. Something just doesn't, doesn't seem right here. Uh, it's, it's just not like that, man. I don't think that's actually what it means. Uh, then I came here and I sort of heard people preaching here. And I thought, hey, he, he gets it. He can, he can read this thing. He can understand it. He can deliver it. He gets whatever that thing is, but it's that thing, you know, that thing. And it wasn't... Till I got to Bible Institute that I found that somebody had written down that thing. 
and explained it. Uh, and what, what those men were doing who would take the scriptures and who would expound them without twisting it. Uh, and I, there's about 12, so I'm not going to give you them all. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a few here and then I'm going to pull up stumps when I think we've had enough. Uh, so here they are in, in no particular order. Uh, but, but here's what those chaps believed. Here's how they would treat the Bible first. Uh, they believed that the Bible is written for you to be able to understand it and to read it. I'm going to repeat that. The Bible is written for you to be able to understand it and God expects you to be able to read it and to understand it. Now, there are a lot of people out there who don't actually think that about the Bible. They think it's an old book. There's lots of very complicated things about it. So it's there for very smart people to read and understand. And maybe those guys can explain it to everybody else. But if you're a schmo in the pew, well, you don't know Greek. You don't know Hebrew. You haven't been to university for four years. Uh, so, well, who knows? Uh, maybe there's some stuff you can pick up. But it's not for you personally to pick up and read and to understand. And if that's what you're thinking... You are completely wrong. God expects you to read and understand the Bible, and he wrote it in such a manner that you can read and understand it. If you say, well, I am not that bright. The Bible was not written for the top tier of society. It just wasn't. Uh, God did not design it for the hyper-intelligent. The first thing people noticed about the apostles the people that went around with Jesus and that understood what he said and that taught it to others, the ones that God used as the human pen for the Bible, people said, these guys are not from the scholarly class. Uh, these are unlearned men, they called them, which meant uh, they didn't hang out with the scribes and the Pharisees. What do we got? We got a fisherman, we got a tax collector, uh, we have a political radical. Uh, we, we don't have the top flight smart guys. Uh, and in fact, God's actually hunting for people that aren't. Uh, so if you get in the door and you are that way inclined, you're, you're sort of, well, you should be very grateful to God. You're the exception. He made an exception for you. I remember a man pointing that out to me where one of the verses he liked was this one, which said, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. He said, oh, God really isn't particularly hunting for chaps like me, is he? And he's hunting for everybody, but the way that it goes is that God comes to the humble and the meek and the lowly, and he reveals himself to them. So it stands to reason that if he's written the Bible for the sort of people that he brings into the kingdom, it's us. It's not the top flight. He's written it for us, and therefore you can understand it. You can read it, you can understand it, and God expects you to do so. God deliberately calls and teaches his ways through the Bible to those that the world writes off, and he is not trying to hide himself from you through extensive layers of complication and opacity. He's not trying to make it hard. Now, that isn't to say that there isn't some concepts in the Bible that do need to be carefully considered, but I will say this, it's not the majority of the Bible. The vast majority of what God has in the Bible, if you are saved, is there on the surface for you to just pick up and understand. The Bible is written for you to be able to understand it, and God expects you to read and understand. Now, you won't get everything on the first run through, and probably by the time you die, there's still going to be more that you still have yet to pick up, but God's put it there for you to understand and read. The major requirement is not intellect, it is faith. Faith is the major requirement. Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read from verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11.
In Hebrews chapter 11, we read this. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him, Him being God. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So you say, well, I, I do believe God is there, and I, I am coming after Him. I am diligently speaking him, seeking Him. Well, do you know what God's going to do? He's going to reward you. He's going to give you Himself. He's going to reveal Himself. How is He going to reveal Himself? He is going to do so through His Word. You go hunting for God, and God opens it up for you. If you trust God, and you come to Him to learn, then He is the rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. He will reward your search for more of Him and more understanding of His ways through the Bible. He will. God expects you to read and to understand the Bible. From the greatest and wisest of us all here to the absolute least. From the oldest to the youngest. So if you can say tonight in sincerity, I have faith in God, which necessarily then means you have faith in His Word, then you're ready for step two, but you cannot skip step one. If you're not saved, or if you cannot accept that God has told you the full and complete truth in the Bible, then you have to stay on step one. In 1 Corinthians we read, but God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. You want revelations from God? You need His Spirit. His Spirit will give them to you. You say, well, I don't, I don't, I'm not saved yet. I'm not a Christian. Well, you don't have His Spirit then, then you can't go further than that. God will just keep stopping you there and bringing you back to, let's settle the issue of your sin. Now, once that's settled, then there is more for you. But if, but if you do have God's Spirit, uh, then you can go to the next step, which is this. As you read His words, you need to start with the assumption that if the natural sense of what you're reading makes sense, you should seek no other sense. I'm going to say that again. If the natural sense of what you read in the Bible makes sense, you should not go hunting for any other sense. Remember, God is not trying to trick you. Your first assumption should be that you're going to understand what you read in there literally. And this will serve you well about 90% of the time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Whatever does that mean? The natural sense makes sense. So we seek no other sense. That means that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, if you find yourself in a book of poetry, and you just cannot make the literal sense work, then it's okay to take it another way. If you've never met a woman with a flock of sheep for teeth, and it's from the Song of Solomons, and it's obviously a poem, well, then the natural sense does not make sense, and you can seek another sense then. Sometimes we find Jesus say something like, if thy right eye cause thee to sin, pluck it out. For it's better to enter into eternal life with one eye than to go into hellfire with two. And we look at that, and our first instinct is to take it literally, but when you've met people and know people that dismember their own bodies, you know, that's not of God. It's, it's demonic. It's evil. So at that point, we say, well, the natural sense doesn't make sense to us. What other sense could it be? And there is a very readily available one, which is Jesus is showing the extreme seriousness that if your salvation rested upon one eye going, that's, that's a better deal. That's a better deal. But 90% of the time, the natural sense will make sense. God is love. What does it mean? God is love. That's what it means. And if you think about it, that's how you like to be taken, don't you? Like, you like it when you say things, if people just assume you mean what you say. 
I mean, imagine if uh, a chap decided that he, 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 he liked it, came up and said, Josh, I just, I really love your approach to life. I think you're a fantastic guy. Teach me, teach me something. Tell me something I should, something that'll help me in life. Uh, and I said, okay, um, I recommend you get up early every morning. And he says, oh, okay, so get up. That's like, that's up, up is higher. So if I'm like in the two-story building, that means I should get my bedroom second floor, not on the bottom, right? And I say, well, no, mate, no, 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 no. I mean, like, literally, it means you should rise early in the morning. Say, oh, rise, rise. That's like going up. That's, that's like a bird. That's aviation. I should have a career in aviation, shouldn't I? Now, how long would that conversation go before I start to get very angry? Not long. How angry would I be if I found him telling people, oh, you shouldn't be doing that job. Josh said you should be in aviation, mate. You should be a pilot. Uh, I'd be furious. And, and you need to think, one day, we're all here as Christians. We all tell other people things about the Bible. We are all teachers of God's Word, whether you like it or not. When you get before the Lord one day, would you like him to say, look, Josh, there was a bit more to this verse than, than what you said? Or would you want him to say, how come every time I said X, you told other people it meant Y? Why is that? Now remember, it talks to the Bible, those that corrupt the Word of God, that change it, that adjust it. I would much rather be saying, look, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I, just, I just took that straight the way that it was, and I can see now that there was stuff I didn't understand. That's a lot more defensible position than, oh, you know, I just thought it might be this, and I thought it might be that, and now I've gone and told a whole stack of people that when God said X, it's Y. What's the safe way? If you're approaching God in sincerity, if you sincerely want to understand Him, then if the natural sense makes sense, you should seek no other sense. You should seek no other sense. I find this all the time as a teacher. The whole game of teaching is I tell you something, and then we do it together, and then I send you off and say, go do what I said. We even write it on sheets called criteria sheets. If you're a student here, you won't know what this is because you've ignored everyone we've ever given you. But it has written on it specific instructions on what I want you to do. And when I mark you, I'm not doing anything magical. I pick up the criteria sheet. I get your assignment. And then I, I said here to do this. He has not done that. And you ask students, what was going on? And they tell you these incredible flights of fantasy that they went on to why they gave you that answer but I asked for X, I'm looking for X, and God is the same. What do you want, Lord? People say to him, I'm really looking for the will of God in my life, and the vast majority of it is written down and it is plain. And if you just take it literally, uh, you, you will do well. You will do well. So first, you can read and understand the Bible. And second, when you read the Bible, if the natural sense makes sense, Seek no other sense. Do not go looking for other explanations. And I, I've met some people that just love this. They just don't want the Bible to be something that everybody else... They, they pick every verse and they say, there's got to be something else deeper and, and more advanced under here. And they go looking. And it's a well-worn path of error. Well-worn path of error. Number three, context is key. Context is key. Every verse must be understood in its context. Now, in the Institute, we say that a proof text without a context is a pretext. And what this means is that you need to read carefully around a verse to get a full understanding of what it means. So if your idea of what that verse means only holds up as long as you don't let people read what's above it and what's below it, then what you say it means is not what it means. And usually the reason you would do that is you want it to mean something else to what it says. But context is key. Now, it may be that your idea is right, it's just not what that verse in particular is saying. And in that case, you have nothing to gain by trying to kick that verse until it tells you 
uh, what would really be good for your sermon uh, or for what you would like to tell somebody else. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you a classic one that, that I have seen. If you turn over to uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 21, I'll show you an example of this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 21. And the sermon was on verse 21. And verse 21 is a simple verse and it's easy to understand. It says, uh, touch not, taste not, handle not. Can you think of how you could get a sermon out of that? You can. There's plenty of things in the Bible that it says you shouldn't be touching, tasting or handling. Uh, that's what a chap had done. This was his sole verse. Uh, and that, that was his teaching, which is here. Here's a list of things you shouldn't be touching. Here's a list of things you shouldn't be tasting. Here's a list of things you shouldn't be handling. And it's from the Bible. The Bible says not to do those three. Now, come and have a read with me around that verse. Read from verse 21. It says, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. So what God's actually saying here, this is actually a warning against people that want to come and give you a big list of things to touch not, taste not, and handle not. It's saying the exact opposite of what that chap was saying. Uh, Paul was actually just warning them about Jewish false teachers. It said, it's great that you got Jesus, but you need to obey the 600 plus other rules of the Jewish law in order to be saved. And Paul's saying, no, but enough of the touch not, taste not, handle not stuff. The verse was taken completely out of context. And that's why court and text is so important. So important. If you are sincerely trying to learn from God, then you are careful to consider everything he is saying, not just a narrow portion of it. And again, you are like that. If I take something you said and I wait for a choice sentence and then I take just that sentence and go and repeat that to others, you are very angry. You would call me awful names like journalist and other such things. Uh, but if you sincerely wish to take and communicate someone's, someone's message, you look at everything they say and you bring the entire sense with you. And that is how God expects us to treat his word. Consider the verse, look around it, then look at the, look at the whole chapter, then look at the whole book. What, what book are we in here? Is it Ecclesiastes? Is it Revelation? Look, look, is, it, is it Old Testament? Is it New Testament? Is it, is it history? Is it prophecy? Is it doctrinal instruction? Our context is key. And so we've seen, firstly, that God expects you to read and understand the Bible. We've seen, secondly, that if the natural sense makes sense, you should seek no other sense. And we've seen, thirdly, that context is critical. Context is critical. And now we see, fourthly, that we are to interpret the less clear verses of Scripture in light of the clear passages of Scripture. I'll say that again. We are to interpret the less clear passages of Scripture in light of the clear passages of Scripture and not the reverse. Not the reverse. Turn with me, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's go read verse 29. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 29. It's the Apostle Paul writing, and he's talking about the resurrection and whether or not it's going to happen. And I'll spoil it for you, it is going to happen. But he's making a case here that the resurrection is going to happen. And read verse 29. Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Now the Bible has dozens of verses that teach us about baptism. 
dozens. The Bible is very clear about what baptism is. It's something you do after you've made a profession of faith. It's not something your parents do to you before you've made a profession of faith. Uh, it is just a symbol. It doesn't contain any particular mystical power. But it is a representation physically of what has happened to you spiritually. We see from the Bible that it is to be all the way under the water. And that you don't just do it to yourself. That somebody else that is a Christian baptizes you. And that's very clear from the Bible. It's written all over. But here in verse 29, Paul gives us a reference, a vague reference, to a group of people who were baptizing for the dead as part of his arguments for the resurrection. Now, note in that verse there, Paul doesn't say, why do we baptize from the dead? He just says, why do these guys do it? Uh, so, uh, first of all, you notice that he's talking about another group, not necessarily himself. Uh, second of all, nowhere else in the Bible do we have any reference to this practice or any instruction on how to do it, despite the fact that the Bible talks a lot about baptism. So, what are we supposed to do? What's our game plan here? What should we build our doctrine of baptism on? Should we build it upon this unclear verse, or should we build our doctrine of baptism upon the dozens of clear verses that God has plainly given to us? Well, obviously, well, hopefully you're thinking, sitting there thinking, well, well obviously the latter. Uh, but that isn't obvious to everyone. Now, many of the cults take small, obscure verses and like this, and then they build large doctrines on them and use them to overturn other plain teachings of the Bible. The world's foremost experts in genealogies are the Mormons. They're really good at it. In fact, when you, you know, get sort of past 40, I've noticed, and start to think, oh gosh, where did I come from? And, and you start to trace your ancestry, and I'm sure I'll do it one day. Uh, you get interested in those sorts of things once you realize you won't be here forever. Uh, well, all those websites you're using, they're all using massive databases compiled and then made available freely by the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. If you're wondering why do the Mormons particularly interested uh, in genealogies, well, uh, they baptize for the dead. They have built an entire doctrine off this verse. And they say, you know, family's going to be together and you've got to be baptized for your great relatives, but you can't just be baptized once for all of them. You've got to know who they are. You don't know who they are unless you've got the genealogies. You've got to have your genealogies. And that's a long way to go from verse 29. See if you can spot it in there. I can't. And that's just one example of the many ways in which people will take an obscure verse that they dug up out of half a verse in Ecclesiastes and use that to overthrow dozens and dozens of clear verses. Now, the Bible, if you think of all of Bible doctrines like a giant spotlight, uh, Christ and many of the doctrines that we hold dear, they're all in the center of the spotlight. But as you go a little further out, there is some things that the Bible mentions once or twice in passing and doesn't give extensive commentary over. And so you can view them as, is that true? It certainly is. Do I have as much understanding about that as these other things that God has specifically reinforced? No, you don't. I'd like to. I'm interested in trivia. Uh, but what you'll notice is none of those things are particularly useful for you personally in your Christian growth. Uh, they're just things you're interested in. Uh, but we do not take those things and overturn the clear. We interpret the less clear in light of the clear. So we have seen, firstly, that God expects you to read and understand the Bible. We have seen that if the natural sense makes sense, you should be seeking no other sense. We have seen that context matters. And we have seen that we interpret the less clear in light of the clear. Now, I, I did have some more that I wanted to take you through. I, I wanted to show you how... 
Uh, we, we use the Scripture to interpret Scripture. That, that's our first port of call. I wanted to take you through how parables are there to illustrate a doctrine. You don't build a doctrine out of a parable. Uh, I wanted to show you how you'd sort of use gr- like the historical and grammatical understanding of a word to get your idea of it. Uh, and lastly, and I guess I wanted to show you how important so- your social setting is for actually maintaining true doctrine. Uh, but I, I don't want to crowd out the, the four that we've looked at tonight by going through them all. So what I'm going to do, I think, I think I'm going to save them for another day. Uh, so so maybe, maybe the Lord is trying to use this tonight. Uh, maybe He's trying to point us back to His Word for this year. I mean, where are you at with the Scriptures? What, what are you doing with your Bible every day? Uh, you get up, you, you've got 24 hours. Uh, where are you at? Where are you at? Are you still opening His Word every day? Are you still expecting He's going to teach me something today from His Word? Maybe that's just dead for you. Like, it, it used to be that way. It isn't anymore. And maybe that's the point of tonight. The Lord wants you to say, hey, 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 it's time to get back. Come back and listen to me. I want you thinking on my words throughout the day. You won't be thinking about my words if you haven't been reading them. Maybe that's what the Lord's calling some of us to today. Uh, Maybe this is for someone who's starting to drift doctrinally. You're getting just a bit bored of taking God at face value and you're looking for something new and exciting in there. And there's a lot that's exciting and fresh, uh, but there's nothing that's new. Uh, Maybe the Lord's trying to to point you in the right direction tonight. Um, Maybe this is for someone here tonight and you know that you're supposed to dig deeper this year. You're supposed to be studying to show yourself approved a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Maybe you know that one day God wants you up here, dividing the word of truth for other people. Maybe someone's here tonight and you know you cannot understand the Bible and you do not understand it and it is shut to you. Well, if that's you and if you would understand the deep and the hidden things of God, then first you must come to Him through faith in Jesus Christ. God is actually not that interested in answering your intellectual curiosity. He really isn't here to tickle your mind. He sent Jesus Christ, not so that you could learn some nifty stuff, uh, but to save you from God's burning hatred of your sin. And if you would surrender to God, and if you would give your life to Jesus Christ, then the Bible tells us that you'll receive more than you ever imagined. Uh, It says this, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. They come second, but the kingdom of God and His righteousness comes first. First you must be saved, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Do not leave this building tonight without giving your life to Jesus Christ if you know that the Bible is shut to you. God expects us to read His Word, and He has given us the ability to understand it. When we read it, if the natural sense of what we read makes sense, we seek no other sense. When we read it, we read around our verses to understand their context so that we would get everything God has for us. And finally, when we run into something that doesn't seem clear to us, we interpret that in light of the clear and not the other way around. May the Lord reward you as you diligently seek Him in His Word this year. Let's pray. We give you thanks, our Lord and our God, uh, for your goodness to us. Lord, thank you for providing us your word, for writing it down so it is fixed, it is stable, it is clear, it is consistent. Lord, thank you that we have a place we can go to, that we can trust, and know that it is all truth without any admixture of error or lie. 
Lord, help us this year. Help us uh, to, to sit, sit before you with, with, with open hearts and, and learn from you. Uh, Lord, we don't just want to learn for the sake of, of intellectual improvement. Lord, we want to take what you teach us and we want to use it for your kingdom and for your glory. So we ask for your help now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.